This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. We're going to talk about eight things you should know about professional debt help services. Key facts that every consumer should know about professional debt help services. So from qualifications to costs, programs to regulations, the whole gamut. Before you commit to getting professional help managing your debt, it's really important to understand the basics of, about debt services that are available. And of course, Blair Manton's going to walk us through some of the advantages of getting expert advice and some of the pitfalls to be aware of. So Blair, in laying out the essentials of professional debt help for British Columbians, what's the top fact, the number one fact that you think every consumer needs to know? Well, thank you, Elena. Without a doubt, it's just the fact that there's only one regulated and qualified debt help professional in Canada, and that's a licensed insolvency trustee. So it's a very unique designation. We're the only professional regulated, endorsed, and authorized by the federal government to actually give people a legal solution to their debts. There's less than a thousand trustees in Canada. That's a pretty, um, you know, difficult designation to get. But if you're having a debt problem, you know, a trustee is the only regulated solution that can help you out. Um, you know, we do provide services like bankruptcies and proposals, but the main thing that we spend our time doing is just helping people understand their options, understand the legal landscape, their rights, their responsibilities, what creditor threats have meaning and you need to address, what creditor threats are just trying to intimidate you and nothing you need to worry about. All of those insights you're going to get when you deal with a licensed insolvency trustee. So the number one insight is just to understand there's not five or ten different professionals you need to choose from. There's one who has the power to actually help you. That's such a great, uh, great thing to mention and to start it off with. The, the second one, I think, is it should be concerning to people. It certainly was to me when I first realized that debt repayment programs or plans are not, are not widely regulated. And that's probably the biggest difference between what a, a licensed insolvency trustee does and, and everybody else. Exactly, Elaine. So um, it is the case that something like credit counseling, debt settlement, debt reduction, debt pooling, all of these are terms that you may have heard, probably credit counseling more than anything else, uh, but there's no set regulations. Um, there's really no criteria for someone to call themselves one of these professionals. And if you have issues, there's not a regulator that you can really go to across the country to help you with an informal debt repayment off. Uh, professional has, has done something that you don't think was appropriate. So in BC, Consumer Protection BC, uh, they license debt collection and debt repayment businesses. So if someone charges a fee in BC, um, they are subject to Consumer Protection BC, but there's huge gaps in that regulation. And the biggest thing that I've seen is it only applies to companies that are based in BC. And if you look online for debt help, you'll find a ton of companies. Very few are actually based in BC. Very few are subject to any regulation. If they're not based inside of BC, they're not regulated federally because only trustees are. It's essentially a bit of the Wild West when you're dealing with an informal debt advisor. Now, you just mentioned credit counselors when you started that second fact. Um, you said some of them have special training, but not all of them get special training or have special training to do the work? 
Yeah, the, the credit counselor is definitely the most popular of, you know, an informal debt repayment agent. And it's definitely, it's a powerful term because if you think about it, yeah, I'm concerned about my credit. I'd like some counseling. Those terms sound good. But the thing is, there's no legal requirement on who is a credit counselor and who isn't. Anybody could open up business tomorrow, call themselves a credit counselor, and you have no idea what their qualifications, their resources, their expertise, or what they're actually going to be able to get you a result. Um, so you need to be careful if you're looking um, towards a credit counselor. Some of them might look like they're accredited. There's various associations, but they're all self, uh, self-governed associations. So it's just a bunch of the organizations that got together and said, yeah, we'll, we'll certify our own counselors. So just be aware if you're dealing with a trustee, for example, you've got someone that went through a rigorous course of study, has a license from the government they're very protective of and wants to do everything correct. Uh, if you're dealing with a credit counselor, you might have someone that's very reputable, very experienced, very ethical, but there's not that guarantee. There's not that requirement that before they can say that they are a credit counselor, they have to satisfy X, Y, Z. It's no, anybody tomorrow could call themselves a credit counselor and could really have an impact on someone in a tough financial situation if they don't understand that there really doesn't have to be anything behind that term. Got it. I just want to add to at this point, if you already know, listening to this, that you need to take some action and get some help, uh, SANS, uh, and Associates is the place to go, no doubt about it. This is the website, sans-trustee.com. Uh, the webs- uh, the uh, phone number, 1-800-661-3030. So, Blair, we talked about, we're talking about facts you need to know. Uh, can we go through some of the must-know facts around the solutions that consumers may have to help manage their debt? Yeah, what I'm so excited about today's segment, Elaine, I think we're doing you know, a broad survey of the main things folks need to know, and then folks can you know, obviously dive deeper. But I think a couple things people need to know is there's two different legal options for debt management or debt forgiveness. Uh, full debt forgiveness is possible by filing for personal bankruptcy, and a lot of people tend to understand that concept, that if you go into bankruptcy, uh, you essentially get absolved from your debt. Most people think you also lose all of your assets, which is not correct, and you know we went into that in a lot of detail, and we'll go into that in the future, but a lot of people understand bankruptcy will give you full debt forgiveness, but a lot of folks don't realize there's a second option uh, that's codified in the same legislation. It gives you the same protection as a bankruptcy would, so it stops your creditors from pursuing you. It stops a wage garnishment or a bank account hold. It stops all of your debts from accruing interest, and it allows you to repay what you're actually able to afford to repay, which is usually not 100% of the debt. It's usually in the range of maybe 20 to 30 cents on the dollar, maybe 35 something along those lines, and that's called a consumer proposal. So if someone's listening and they've never heard of a consumer proposal before, they thought bankruptcy was their only option, well, it's a victory for today if that person goes and you know starts Googling consumer proposal. So I always say it's the best debt solution you might never have heard of, and from our experience, it's life-changing. When people thought they had no other options other than a bankruptcy and were pretty depressed about that, to give them the ability to make a settlement on their debts, avoid a bankruptcy, but still get all that protection, you know, it's usually something that's just very attractive and something people need to know if they're struggling with debt, but there's not only one option to deal with it. There are are actually two solid legislated options. The number five fact, it is possible to get virtually all types of debt forgiven. And I think that may be a surprise to people if they haven't done any work and research. Yeah, I've been meeting with, with clients for coming up on 13, 14 years now, and it's still not a, a couple of weeks go by before someone says, you know, I understand you guys can help with credit card debt, uh, but I've got this amount to, owing to the government, too. I've go, I got to deal with that on my own, right? I'm like, no, 
No, definitely not. So when you're dealing with a licensed insolvency trustee, just about any debt that you've incurred is possible to either compromise in a proposal or have forgiven in a bankruptcy. So things like credit cards, lines of credit, you know, most people payday loans, most people would assume that, but also amounts owing to the government, like income tax, GST, student loans, even ICBC debt, it is absolutely possible to consolidate and compromise those debts in a consumer proposal or to eliminate those debts in a personal bankruptcy. And what's incredibly important to know is that only a licensed insolvency trustee can deal with any government debt. So if you're dealing with an informal debt agent or a credit counselor, they might say, oh yeah, we'll solve your problem. That means they'll solve your problem without considering that the government might also be your problem and you won't get a complete solution. You know, government will not deal with anybody unless it's a licensed insolvency trustee. What about government-sponsored debt programs that we've hear, we hear about? Yeah, that, that's a case of something we've seen advertised a lot. You know, there's a new government program that's out. If you owe more than $10,000, I've heard these radio ads for years. I see, you know, the various Google ads, and it's all just smoke and mirrors. There are literally no government-sponsored debt programs. So there's no government funding that suddenly said, you know, we want to help people with their debt. Here's this new program. So if you're being sold that type of a solution, it just really doesn't exist. You're buying something different there, which is probably not something that you need. Um, the only legal options that exist, as we've talked about, are consumer proposals and bankruptcy. Beyond that, there's no government programs that are targeted to get people out of debt. Okay. And as we're counting down in this segment, what are the last two facts about professional debt help service that you want to leave us with? Because, And they're pretty big, important ones to mention. Well, I think the really important ones are seven. I'm really happy we're going to get through all eight today because sometimes we go a little bit long. Um, I know, you know me too. One, you're, yeah, you're, you're going to get free debt advice when you connect with a licensed insolvency trustee in your province. And now most of us are, are listening within BC, so Sands and Associates serves the entire province. Uh, if you're listening outside of BC, you can find a list of licensed insolvency trustees by visiting the Office of the Superintendent of Bankruptcy Canada website. So if you just type in Superintendent of Bankruptcy into Google, you'll find what you need to do. But it's really important to know, too, you don't need a referral. You never need to pay a fee. Every trustee I've ever been aware of in Canada and certainly at Sands and Associates, offers a free confidential consultation to discuss all of your financial options. There's no obligation to ever proceed. Um, there's no case where you disclose something to us and we run and tell everybody else. It's confidential. It's a safe zone for you to just talk through the issues there. And if you do end up going forward, um, the trustee, all the fees are set by the government. It sometimes breaks my heart when people have spent you know, thousands of dollars just to get a referral to a trustee where they could have had that great meeting right from the start and they didn't need a middleman there. Excellent. And um, do you want to mention anything else before we go to number eight on this? I think let's go to number eight. Okay, good. Which is, number eight, you deserve to live with dignity and without the overwhelming stress of debt. So I want people to understand, you know, it's not a natural state to be stressed out, to be overwhelmed with debt, to not know where to turn. So a lot of folks, they're just really unsure about whether they should get professional help with their debt. And sometimes they just think they don't deserve to get out of this situation because they feel, you know, they've gotten themselves into it due to their own, you know, oversights or overspending or things like that. Usually when you peel back the layers of the onion, you find out there's just a ton 
ton of circumstances that conspired all at once to put this person in a tough position. So you should reach out for debt help if you think you might have a debt problem. And that might be a bit counterintuitive, but just about everyone that we've met with before, they said, why did I wait so long? No one has regretted having an initial consultation with me. I've had so many people regret it. My gosh, I've suffered for a year, two years, five years. I've flailed about. I've put myself through so much, my family through so much. So coming to that meeting, if you even think you have a debt problem, you're at least going to learn something in that meeting and be able to help others in your life. If you don't need our help, dollars to donuts, somebody in your life is going to struggle with debt at some point, and wouldn't it be great to be that resource for them, that person, giving them a, a little bit of insight, a little bit of you know shelter from the storm. Uh, even come in for a meeting if you're just looking for options to manage your debt more effectively. You think, okay, there's no scenario I need to go into a bankruptcy, but I'm making minimum payments all the time. Maybe there's a better way for me to come at this. Uh, and of course, if you're experiencing debt stress or escalating creditor action, that's usually what drives people through our doors is when the credit have harassed them, intimidated them, maybe started to take them to court or seize wages. You know, those are the folks that really need help uh, urgently at that point. But I encourage everyone listening not to wait until it gets to that part because that's an incredibly stressful state to be in where things are coming at you from all sides. Reaching out for help early is always your best option. Always your best option. And and just a reminder to know that you're not alone in this. There's lots of folks who are struggling uh, and you, you're in good company, believe me. Uh, and if you're feeling ready to get started with a debt-free plan, book your free confidential consultation with a non-judgmental Sands & Associates debt help expert today. Visit sands-trustee.com or give them a call at 1-800-661-3030. And with us on the line is John Manson. He's an estate manager with Sands and Associates, has uh, 12 years of personal insolvency experience. He's pretty dedicated to providing his Sands and Associates clients all the tools they require to manage and overcome some pretty challenging financial situations. Uh, John specializes in personal insolvency, helps clients understand the often very daunting and misunderstood aspects of debt resolution. That's what we're going to talk about. John says, the most important part of my job is informing people of the laws around dealing with debt and how it affects their situation. Such a great topic, John, and thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely. So uh, to start things off, can you tell me a little bit about how you came to work in insolvency? Because it's kind of a unique, a unique career choice. Absolutely. Yeah. So no, it, it definitely was. It was never really on my radar growing up. I didn't really know a whole lot about it. I remember kind of the first time hearing about a consumer proposal, I was like, well, that sounds too good to be true. It doesn't really make sense. But um, as I've been doing this for the last 12 years, I just see it working better and better for people. And yeah, really, I, I just remember growing up always loving numbers, loving finances and being really interested in that area. Uh, and then once I realized that I was able to put that together with also just helping people out in their daily lives, I was really excited to find the industry. So, oh, that, That's awesome, John. And, and I, we've worked together for a number of years. I think you even predate me at, at the firm. I think you were there, you know, a few months before I had joined. And I know now, you know, your current role is an estate manager, and that's obviously a term that we know exactly what that means. But for listeners out there, can you give a sense of you know, what does it mean to be an estate manager? What is your day-to-day typically like? Yeah. 
Yeah, so I, I'm normally working with people. So I, you know, I take a phone call or call somebody up if they're having a, a stressful situation, dealing with some debts, and just kind of walk them through their options and tell them how things work and how it affects them and, you know, try and make them feel at ease and, you know, avoid judgment and things that way because nobody wants to feel like they're, you know, getting a phone call saying, you know, you did this wrong and that wrong or anything that way. We just like to, you know, make people feel like they're, you know, their situation is understandable. They've gotten to that place over, you know, a long period of time. It's not that they, again, did anything bad. It's just that they're in a tough situation that, that is actually resolvable, which is so nice for people to hear when they, when they get that first information. Yeah, I guess that, that idea of people, sometimes they can feel like it's, it's an impossible situation that I'm up against. And from my experience, you know, sometimes they can feel a little bit ashamed of what got them there. And so you know, we talk a lot on the show about, you know, the free initial consultation. Um, so it sounds to me, you know, one of your jobs in a state manager is doing that uh, quite often. Can you tell me how you, you really structure that initial consultation? So what's your approach if you're getting the phone call or if you're meeting somebody in person? You know, what do you do first, second, third? How does that meeting unfold? Yeah. Yeah. So I usually give somebody a call or join, you know, join in on a Zoom meeting so we can do it that way as well. Uh, and I, I always like to start out just, you know, asking people for a bit of a story about what brought them in to us, what made them call us or made them, you know, look into this kind of situation. Um, I I personally, I'm a storyteller. I, I love also hearing stories from people, but, uh, you know, I think people really feel a lot better knowing that we're, we're here to listen. We're not here to, again, to judge in any way. Um, we just want to find out, you know, what led to this situation. And then from there, I can usually structure an idea of, of how we can get it taken care of and, and get it off their shoulders. Uh, you know, I also like to, you know, give people a, a uh, uh, helping ear to listen to them because oftentimes they've been struggling on the, for the, you know, struggling with this. They've been dealing with it alone. They haven't been able to tell friends or family members because of their feelings around it. So just being able to finally get it out there and start talking about it. And um, I always find it, you know, I try and make it as, as fun and, and, and relaxed as possible when I meet with people. But, you know, the, the few times I do, I, I talk to people and they, you know, they instantly start crying. I, I always stop them. I say, listen, I'm a crier myself. I, you know, I, if, if I'm talking, I'm crying harder. So I'll give you a break. I'll tell you a little bit. So I, you know, try and make it as easy as possible for people to be able to tell us their story and tell us what's going on. And then I tell them, you know, most likely I'll be able to give you some good news, make you feel a whole lot better about the situation, and we can start talking about the, the next steps to actually dealing with this debt. How do you find that the clients tend, tend to react in that in initial meeting? Um, do you find there's a bit of a transition, a bit of a relaxing over time? or something? I know every client is different, uh, but how, how do you see those meetings and, and the clients react to your approach? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, uh, by the end of it, I, f I find people are just that much more comfortable with me. They're, you know, asking me uh, questions about my life. And, you know, it, we, I just want it to be as, as an easy as a conversation as possible. Uh, and, you know, when I hear it in people's voices, and that's, you know, the 
interesting thing about doing phone calls and stuff, but hearing it in people's voices or seeing, seeing them, uh, seeing them in person in a way on, on zoom. So seeing on their face, just the, the amount of stress they are instantly feeling relieved of and, you know, how much more comfortable they are with everything is, is so nice for me. I, you know, I always do like to feel that I'm, I'm trying to help people as, as best I can. So when I felt like I've already, you know, taken that first step and helped out knowing that it will probably just get better and better from there as we have more meetings and more conversations. It's, it's just a really nice setup to, to start the whole process for people. John, I, I just want to jump in here. Um, it's not often you hear somebody doing the kind of work that you do for an organization like Sands and Associates and have, I mean, we talk, Blair and I talk about this all the time, the empathetic ear that uh, so many people at Sands have when they talk to clients. But my gosh, you seem uh, like you go over and above to really, really listen to folks and give them the best hand that they can possibly get sort of before the actual physical things. Oh, you, we need to do this, this, and this. Um, you, it sounds like you come from a place of experience and knowledge and wisdom. And, and boy, what a, what a great, uh, thing that is to have in your work on a day to day basis. Yeah, well, and, and thank you so much. I appreciate the nice words there. And, um, you know, I, I, I know from talking to the other people that work here and uh, all the friends that I, that I have in this company, um, I find almost everyone is just so amazing. So, uh, you know, understanding and their their calm demeanors and even just hearing their voices. Like I'll call somebody that I work with and just talk to them about this or that or, um, you know, a tough thing in my life and just hearing them talk is, is so nice. So, you know, I, I find that almost everyone in Sands is like that. But yeah, my, you know, my mom always says I'm the best. So I tell people that all the time as well. And, <laughs> you know, again, I, I like to, you know, make jokes and, and kind of bring all that into it just to, again, ease the tension and, and make people realize they're in a, a really safe and comfortable place. That's always been my approach to it. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah, I'm so happy to have you on the show today, John. Just even for that, for the listeners to know that when when they do have a consultation with Sands, you know, it's a real person that you're meeting with. It's a person with a personality who seeks to understand first and not, you know, bang you into a solution that may or may not fit. It's just really understanding, you know, what's your situation, what are your objectives, and listening, you know, to all the circumstances and empathizing is just so important. So, I'm, yeah, I'm just so happy to hear you describe that, that approach. Uh, you mentioned, John, as well, it's a little bit more difficult now over the phone and with COVID. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit, you know, since, the, you know, gosh, our world has changed since March 2020. Before then, you were meeting everybody face to face. How is your approach now, you know, seeing people over Zoom, telephone, you still able to connect in the same way or things a little bit different? Yeah, so it definitely has changed. I feel like people can sometimes be that much more, um, you know, in a little bit worried or, or, or it's hard for them to, to really open up right away when they meet with me. And, you know, when, when I was meeting with people in person, they could see, you know, my, 
I, I always had a smile on. I have calm demeanor around me to, to try and make them feel a little bit more relaxed. But without that, I find that, you know, that the big thing I've always heard is, you know, if you're talking to people with a smile, they can really tell the difference of, of if you're talking without a smile. So I, I try and make sure that I'm doing that when I'm talking to people. And, uh, you know, again, even just telling them uh, stories about my life and, and my struggles and um, and my family struggles and things that I because oftentimes people are again they're they're so worried to tell somebody something or, or open up to a, a complete stranger but uh, I find if I'm able to introduce a little bit about myself then people feel a little bit more at ease telling me about their situation and their story and uh, again I always love hearing a, a new story and uh, it's just incredible what some of these people that I work with and these clients that I talk to that they, the stuff that they go through is just it sounds like uh, like even with a 10 minute conversation I feel like I'm tired and I'm like stressed out just hearing about what they're going through so you know but I, I do appreciate it when people are finally able to open up and tell me all that stuff uh, and to get to that comfort level with people is a, a really special thing in my opinion. I think that's outstanding, John. You and I, we spoke before the segment, and I said, you know, in the past, I've been open with clients. You know, I've stopped drinking for seven years, been a good decision. So when people have trouble with alcohol, I can empathize with that. Um, you said, you know, you've been comfortable sharing some of, of your challenges, and if you're if you're comfortable elaborating a little bit, I think clients would really uh, could could be helped by understanding who they're meeting with is also someone. Yeah, none of us have an easy ride, you know. Of course. Yeah. And that's, you know, I, I, I find so many people, they call and they're, you know, they're struggling with, with health problems, whether it's, it's, you know, physical or mental health problems or anything that way. And um, unfortunately, still in our world, there is this stigma around mental health. And I've, you know, I've tried to tell people in my, in my friend group, in my family about my struggles, my family's struggles. Um, I, I personally, personally, clinically diagnosed as as OCD, I've got two brothers diagnosed as bipolar, and I so I see that stuff, and I see the struggle that comes with it every day, and the the stress and the anxiety around just everyday life, let alone also dealing with large amounts of debts that could just feel so overpowering and, and cause those things. And then again, people usually feel a little bit more comfortable with telling me their issues and their mental health problems because it is it's something that so many people struggle with that it needs to get out there. And it's so, in wrapping up this segment, I just want to mention, you know, John Manson, a pretty extraordinary guy, but I, I have to say over the years of doing this show with Blair that um, there are so many extraordinary people who work at Sands & Associates who can help you uh, on this path as you figure out your debt situation and figure out the, the best steps to take uh, in dealing with it. Uh, I want to mention the website again. It's sands-trustee.com, or you can give them a call at 1-800-661-3030 for that uh, first consultation, as well as to find an office near you. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. I'm Elaine Scollin. Uh, we continue on uh, this segment with John Manson, who's an estate manager with Sands & Associates, has a dozen years of personal insolvency experience, so lots and lots of time in the seat. He's pretty dedicated to providing Sands & Associates clients all the tools they require to manage and overcome some pretty challenging financial situations. Um, John, can you kind of give us a, an idea of how your day looks like, a day in the life of John Manson when he's at work? 
Yes, yes, I can. So perfect. Um, so normally, I you know I come in, I I take a look at a calendar, and I'll have you know I'll have an initial consultation to start out the day, and just kind of go over people's options with them, really try and make them feel more comfortable about you know where they are and the options that are out there and are available to get them to a better place in the future. Uh, and then maybe right after that, I'll have a, a second meeting with somebody where uh, you know again sometimes it's it's to go over their options and and talk a little bit more about that answer some questions they might have had from the first meeting uh you know a lot of times we get into a a lot of stuff and there's you know a lot of information that i'm able to provide people in the first meeting but oftentimes people you know they'll they'll, they won't remember certain sections of it or certain things that we talked about or maybe just want clarification or maybe they found something online that they just wanted to double check with us and and those are always welcome questions. We want people to totally understand the situation, feel completely comfortable before they actually move forward and, and get any, everything signed. Um, and then sometimes the second meeting is just going over their application form that they fill out for us, which, you know, just ask them questions about their debts, their assets, their income, all the stuff that we have usually at least talked a little bit about in that initial consultation uh, and then once we have that application filled out in full and we have any backup documentation just to confirm things like pay stubs a piece of ID that sort of thing uh, then I'm able to schedule them a signing appointment where uh, normally the sign-up appointment is done in, over zoom so we can each other we can go over all the documents I bring up the the legal forms that they have to sign with us to get the whole process started and I'll walk them through all of it once again again just explaining the whole process making sure they're comfortable making sure sure they know exactly what they're doing what they're getting into and what they're signing on that day uh, because if, if anyone doesn't feel fully comfortable with signing it, then we don't like to sign those documents. I've had meetings where I've said, you know what, let's think things over. Let's take some more time. Let's just have another conversation just to make sure you understand everything. Otherwise, some people are more than happy to get things moving forward. They just want these phone calls to stop. They, um, Once they sign with us, they no longer get the phone calls from their creditors. They don't get any more letters or emails or any of those things that are, you know, driving people wild up the wall and and stressing so much about I you know it that kind of thing is so nice for people they sign the documents and almost always I just hear this ah, this sigh of relief at the end of the meeting and they're just so happy and uh, and so appreciative of, of what we do here and, and how we've been able to work it out with them that they're just so excited to start the process and put this all behind them so it sounds, John, like your, your day is pretty dedicated to one client after another client, like you're their interface with the insolvency system. And I think for clients as well, for them to know, like once they contact SANS, if they meet with you, you're going to be continuing on with them from the start. They don't have to, you know, tell their story a number of different times. They've got someone that's going to help shepherd them through the process. So I think that that's good for clients to know. I was curious, John, because you've been meeting with clients for you know, a large number of years here. What are the types of situations that tend to bring people in, in to see us? Because before I got into insolvency, I assumed, you know, it must be just a whole lot of mismanagement, people just making mistakes that in hindsight were clearly, you know, they should have made different decisions. My eyes have certainly been opened. Can you tell me a little bit about the situation that you've seen with your clients? Yeah, for sure. So, and, and yeah, and you know what, really at the end of the day, there are people like that as well, right? They come in and they've just, 
you know, they've spent a little bit more than they should have. They were maybe a little bit young and didn't understand what they were getting into when they were spending money on these credit cards or didn't realize that, you know, a $20,000 credit card when you're making $30,000, $40,000 a year is a, a, a pretty big mountain to, uh, of debt to really get into. So, uh, you know, a lot of times that, that can be the case. Otherwise, I think more commonly, we hear of people that have really had tough things happen to them. They, they've lost their job recently. Somebody, a, a family member might have passed away just recently that, you know, made things really tough for them. Or they had to travel to go visit the family and, and really mourn with everyone for things like that. Uh, or they're dealing with a medical condition or, you know, potentially losing work or being off work for periods of time that, you know, these are things that nobody really expects or a, a global pandemic that jumps out of nowhere. And, um, you know, the amount of people that we saw that, that were struggling and, and dealing with all that and going from, you know, $3,000 a month as their regular income while they were working to now just getting the $2,000 CERB or CRB amounts, uh, you know, that was a, a huge change for a lot of people where they were finding they were able to make their payments and everything seemed fine for the time but then as soon as that change happened well now things are a lot tighter a lot more difficult and then all of a sudden that goes out the window and some people still aren't able to get back to work or find another position um, or you know people that are close to retirement but not quite at the age where they can start to receive those retirement benefits uh, are oftentimes having a hard time finding employment in the industry that they used to be in or making the same amount that they did before all of this happened. Uh, so obviously situations like that, they're not able to pay back these debts in a, a short time or a, a, a time that makes sense to them. So they're just looking at trying to get some help and uh, get things taken care of and off their shoulders. And for, from my experience, John, a lot of clients can feel like, you know, they're the only person in the world that, that's facing that that fact pattern. In some cases they are, but I think people just hearing what you've laid out, you know, these are a bunch of circumstances that, you know, how could you have planned for? You couldn't. So the more kind we can be to ourselves with things outside of our control, it just allows us to move forward, you know, a little bit more quickly. Um, I know we're down to our last couple minutes in the in this segment here. Um, I'm curious, John, if there's a couple of case studies that, you know, recent people you might have met with or, or helped in the past that really stand out just to help the listeners understand, okay, you're going to start off strong, of course, you're going to meet with John, you're going to feel valued, um, not judged, you're going to get a good solution. But can you tell us a little bit more in specifics about a couple clients you've helped? For sure, yeah. So and uh, I, I bring up somebody I actually met with just yesterday. Um, I saw, saw a meeting. It was with one. It looked like it was with one person. I sent them a Zoom link. I jump on the meeting. It turns out it's a couple. Um, they're 72 and 73 years old, I believe. And retired, pension income, fixed income every single month, and dealing with a large amount of debt that they both somehow just kind of accumulated over the years. Uh, and within about five minutes, we're laughing, we're joking together, we're just kind of chatting and, and talking about life. And, um, and at the by the end of it, they felt so comfortable, they were so happy to hear that they could file a bankruptcy, clear their debts, 
pay a minimum amount of money over a short period of time and just move on with their lives and, you know, live out the rest of their lives in peace and, and happiness. And um, they, a lot of times I get people around that age that are joking that they don't have that much time left. And I always say, you know, of course, we want you here as long as possible. But again, the, the time that you have left on this earth is, you know, it is short. It's short for everyone. And so you may as well be in a positive place, a happy place to deal with it if that's all you have left. Uh, and then one one person I spoke to just the other day, she filed a proposal about two years ago. Uh, she was so happy at that time and then was working, but found that she could barely do the job that she had at the time. Just, you know, waking up in the morning was tough knowing that she had all this debt. And as soon as she filed with us, she felt so much better. She went in, she applied for a, an upper management job, got it, almost doubled her salary and was able to pay her five-year proposal off in about two years. And now she's just focusing on rebuilding her credit, hoping she can buy a home in the future and, and really get her life back in her own hands. Two great examples from John Manson, uh, who's an estate manager with Sands & Associates, has over a dozen years of experience doing this work. If he's somebody that you want to work with, Sands & Associates is the place to go. Uh, their website, sands-trustee.com, the phone number, 1-800-661-3030. And uh, just a reminder, you're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. So we're talking about budgeting, the how-tos, as well as the troubleshooting that you can do. Tips for getting started with a personal budget and troubleshooting common problems. That's what we're going to cover in this segment. So whether you've tried to make a personal budget before or you have one, but you're not sure where your finances are going awry every month, Blair's going to take us through the main steps in building a basic personal budget, some common problem areas in budget budgeting, and where to get that help. Blair, just right off the top, why is budgeting such an important part of personal finances? And can you answer the question why it's so difficult for the average person to jump on that bandwagon? Yeah, Elaine, you know, starting with the second part first, I think it's so difficult because it can just seem daunting when you start to think, oh my gosh, you know, if I, if I try to remember what I spent last week or last month or last year, that's just too many things for me to hold in my head. I think a lot of people just get intimidated. They don't know where to start. And, you know, the advice is just to start somewhere, you know, just to start doing it and just to improve it over time. So a lot of folks can get paralyzed saying, well, you know, I'm not sure what the perfect approach is for me to do my budget. Um, you know, I just, I get to the end of the month, there's either money left or not. Um, but what really happens when you're not dealing with the budget is you're not really in control of your money. And what happens then is you're not able to achieve your goals, or perhaps you haven't even thought to set some goals because you're just, you know, flying in a reactive mode every month to all of your expenses and hoping the income is enough to get there. So, you know, you always need to remember a lot of folks react a little bit negatively to the concept of budgeting because they think, well, you know, budgeting is about a bunch of rigid rules, but you're in charge of your money and budget isn't about budgeting isn't about putting in a bunch of rules that you don't like to deprive you of what you want. It's about planning. And this is really important, planning and making thoughtful decisions about your money, considering what you're going to do rather than making a bunch of decisions in the moment that in the long term aren't going to serve you to achieve your goals and might end up putting you in, in 
more difficulty than not. You know, a lot of positive outcomes to having a budget, as we talked about, you know, reaching your goals, but also just having a way of tracking, are you overspending? And if you know you're overspending, you're probably going to feel guilty about purchases. If you know you're not overspending, you might make those purchases and feel less guilty. Uh, There's a lot of very positive benefits and a lot of momentum that you can build if you have a budget every month and you check in on that budget. Excellent. And I know that you say once you're on a roll, you might even look forward to those check-ins, which for some people would just be, what? What did you just say? But it's just such a wonderful sense of accomplishment sometimes for folks. Oh, that's, that's exactly right. And, you know, for, for my advice in terms of how you get started, if someone's listening, you know, you start writing down some points here. Number one, and I think this is pretty straightforward, you got to just start tracking. So my advice is not to go back historically, just start moving forward, just saying, you know, mm. today is the first day of the rest of my life of, of budgeting and just start tracking your spending. You know, there's no right or wrong here, but the important thing is to be truthful. You know, it's for yourself. It's not shouldn't be for someone else to be judging. So you need to make sure you're tracking what you spend your money on and then really note what's your fixed expenses. So the things that you can't control, like your rent or other bills that are the same every month, but also your variable expenses, like your groceries, your entertainment and start to track things into various categories where a lot of budgets sometimes fail is they don't account for irregular expenses so these are things that you know they're going to happen throughout the year you know maybe there's a professional licensing fee or there's a car service you know twice a year it's going to cost you x amount and you need to make sure that you've built into your budget that you've annualized those costs that when they come up the money is put aside So tracking the spending is really important. And then once you've started to track your spending, you need to do a little bit of math and calculate your earnings. And it's so important to write this down. So you want to add up your take-home earnings. And we recommend if your earnings vary, just be conservative and start with an estimate from your lower income months. If you earn a little bit more than that, well, that's great. You can just boost your savings. But you want to set down your income against your expenses in writing. And you can use, you know, a spreadsheet. You can use an app, a piece of paper. It doesn't matter how you do it, but the most important thing is just to actually do it. And then the final step, you know, you've tracked your expenses, you've done, you've uh, calculated your income, you need to crunch the numbers. So are things balancing? Are you ending up with a surplus? Do you have a shortfall? And that's when you can start to make some of those decisions uh, that the budget is going to enable you to do with a more clear mind than if you were just basing it on, you know, your emotions in the moment or what you think you're doing with your money without the clear facts. And I just want to jump in here, Blair. So if you already know that you want to make some changes with your budgeting or start budgeting, uh, manage your finances better or your debts at this point, give Sands and Associates a call. Their 1-800 number is 1-800-661-3030. How realistic are folks when they start this process? And how important is it to be realistic? It, it's so important, Elaine, because if it's a budget that's just, you know, based in fiction, you know, either you're going to stick to it, but you're going to hate it because every month you're not doing what you want to do. Or if you're just not going to write down your budget when you spend some money, well, then what's the point? The budget's not reflecting accurately the situation. So a budget, again, it's not about denying yourself. Uh, it's about really making decisions. So you're not giving yourself permission to impulsively spend when you make a budget, but you're going to allocate a set amount of flexible spending for entertainment, for example. So we're not saying your discretionary, discretionary expenses have to go to zero, and we're not saying that you can't have any fun spending at all, but the idea is to say, well, how much should those discretionary 
discretionary expenses be in a month? And sometimes people would say, well, I'm just going to withdraw that amount in cash. And, you know, my fund money for the month, it might be, you know, $200. That's what I'm prepared to spend on, you know, dining and entertainment and whatever. And when that cash is gone, I know that's my budget category is exhausted. For some people that works, for others, it's more, yep, keep it in the spreadsheet, track all the purchases, and then just, you know, stop once you hit the limit. But it's, again, it's all about making choices, not necessarily about denying yourself what you want. Excellent. I love the idea that you that you talked about earlier too about setting goals, um, and that idea that it gives you. It may feel like somebody else is controlling you, or or something else is controlling you, but in fact, you get a bit more control back. Which I love that idea. And that's absolutely true, Elaine. And that's you know one of the great outputs of a budget where you actually do set some goals is you know a savings goal is a great goal and if you think oh my gosh you know that just seems daunting well start with an emergency fund you know start just building up you know a small amount of savings each month just for emergencies and I can bet you that you know six or eight months from now you're going to feel better about your finances knowing you have a little bit of savings set aside and you're probably going to feel a little bit better about your budget knowing that was a tool that helped me get there uh, one of the best things that we can recommend is to do automatic savings transfers so it's the whole idea you know you pay yourself first each month so whatever you're going to be able to save based on your budget just get that transferred out of your account into a separate account you know all the time and really try to protect that section of your budget because quite often when finances start to get strained the savings are the first thing to go and you know if it's something like an RRSP contribution you know that's pretty important that's you saving for your retirement all the time and you don't want to be compromising that if you're just paying all the money on debt payments. Um, so it's really important to you know track that and make your goals a priority. Is there a, is there sort of a, a regularity of when you should be checking in with your finances? Is it a weekly thing, a monthly thing? What do you think? You know, some people can definitely go too far. I've had some clients who on a daily basis are telling me, hey, I'm on my budget or not, and I think that's too much. Uh, I think monthly is good, and you might want to start, you know, even for the first couple months, you know, do it every couple weeks just to get yourself into the rhythm to find out what systems are going to work best for you. But generally, a monthly review, and this is something, you know, your spouse, your partner, getting uh, your family involved, uh, that can make a whole lot of sense as a household or as a couple, you know, really having that financial transparency. And you can imagine those discussions are a whole lot easier to have to make make decisions collectively. If it's in the budget, we can do it. If it's not in the budget, not that we can't do it, but let's make some trade-offs. Let's make some decisions. So if we do choose to make this expense, we've already ensured that it's not going to be a financial hangover at the end of the day. Yeah. And this is my older self speaking to my younger self. I wish I had listened many years ago, but you're never too old or too young to start uh, budgeting and really paying attention to this. That's absolutely right. Yep, you start today, you're going to be better off in the future. Yeah, I think that it just makes such good sense, especially when when we're out of, you know, we don't have control over a lot of things. We do have some control over this. Um, I just want to remind you that to check out the website for Sands and Associates, it's sands-trustee.com or give them a call if you want to get started, 1-800-661-3030. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands and Associates, helping you get out of debt. You've been listening to Dollars and Cents. See you next time. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.